Welcome to Food Safety University, episode 12, and today we are talking about pest management and pest control. Welcome to the Food Safety University podcast presented by Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steel of Deergo Food Safety. Tune in to learn food safety in plain English. We will break down the ins and outs of the food code, HACCP plans, you name it. We make food safety simple, easy, and even fun. Now here is your host, Dr. P. So I am super excited to be podcasting today. It was, we had an unexpected snowstorm here. (laughs) It was was unexpected, (laughs) but that's okay. The farm is absolutely beautiful. And if you follow me on Instagram, I'm going to be posting pictures of the farm in the snow because it's really just that pretty. I mean, I just love it out here. Being able to go to work on a farm uh, is really, truly uh, one of the great pleasures of uh, my life. <laughs> it really can't compare to a whole lot of other other places I've, I've I've worked. I think one of the best places I worked, I did um, I did a stint at Plum Island, the Foreign Animal Disease Research Institute that's out in the middle of uh, Long Island Sound. And I love that job for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which was I got to commute by boat, which was my favorite. Like commuting to work by boat was epic. And here, you know, a lot of people they complain about their they complain about their their commutes and things like that. But I work 32 minutes from my house. It's a beautiful drive through like Ohio farm country, and I have this great new Ford Explorer. And I just love it. I love being in my car. I have heated massage seats. And so I get a massage every time I'm in my car. (laughs) And I have, I mean, the car drives great. And I get to spend 32 minutes like thinking or talking or I call my mom a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's really amusing. I love my commute. I love landing here on the farm uh, in the mornings. And uh, when the sun sets, it's just completely gorgeous so yeah if you are not following us at food safety university on instagram you can see a ton of pictures of the farm out there uh and go follow go give us a follow over on instagram and speaking of such things i am super excited to report that we have hit over 100 listeners in one calendar week which is pretty epic i'm so excited you know this podcast is really really specific and the people who love it just absolutely absolutely love it listen to you know they binge listen listen to every single one but you know i have a really you know in the in the entrepreneurship world i have i have what's called like a really niche niche right i help food manufacturers make food safety easy uh and that is there's that's like a really narrow set of that's a really narrow set of people when you look at what entrepreneurs are doing out there in the world you know helping small businesses well you know food manufacturers is a rather small subset of small business so anyway i think that's incredible and if you love the podcast leave us a review that would be amazing and then share it with somebody give you know bring more listeners in the more listeners we are that are having this conversation with uh, the actually the stronger our supply chains are going to be, the more protected our supply chains are going to be, and uh, the easier time you're going to have implementing your food safety plan because that's really what we're all about here. We're making food safety planning like super fun and easy. This doesn't have to be that complicated, okay? And I just want to emphasize 
that if it is complicated and if it is overwhelming, I've totally got your back. Y'all know about Food Safety University. Go to foodsafetyuniversity.com, download our 12 Steps of HACCP. If you have already done that, go to foodsafetyuniversity.com, enroll now, and get on in on it. It's amazing. It's the best $5,000 you will ever spend because you've got lifetime access. You know, I did I did office hours yesterday and I talked about I talked about decision making documentation and all of my uh, all of my clients are going to be getting an email today with a template uh, on how to do decision making documentation and the video I recorded yesterday answering questions about it. And I'm here for you forever with that just one-time investment. There's really no easier way to get your food safety planning under control than by joining us over at Food Safety University. So go do that. And this podcast is actually, I, you know, when you're doing a podcast, you, you, you have to use your imagination and pretend you're talking to somebody, no matter how many people are watching, uh, you know, because it creates a better experience for the listener. And so I record this podcast as if everybody is already a paying client of mine because that's how everybody gets the most value out of it. And being in the mindset of doing that is a way to make sure that um, everybody gets 100% results because that's what we're in it for, right? We get 100% results in making your food safety easy. We get 100% results in our, our work and in implementing the SOPs and the HACCP plans and all that sort of stuff. And it makes it a lot more fun when uh, I'm talking directly to one person. So imagine it is you that I am directly talking to because it is. And then get your butt in Food Safety University uh, because that's where it all comes together. Okay, and so one of the things that we talk about in Food Safety University is pest control and pest management. This is an incredibly important topic. It's January. Um, if y'all are doing spring planting, everything's got to get ordered in like the next two weeks. <laughs> okay. So if you're planning on putting anything in the ground, which I imagine many of you are, um, you got to order, you got to order stuff really, really soon. And with ordering stuff, okay. A lot of times we talk about approved supplier programs, go back and listen to the, listen to the podcast on approved supplier programs. But then you've got to bring stuff in and you've got to start storing stuff. And the minute you start storing stuff is pretty much the minute you have to start thinking about pest control. So let's walk through our six step process for pest control. I'm going to talk about integrated pest management in both agriculture and production uh, so that you can have a good idea about where you are and where you need to be. Okay. So the first step in our six step uh, planning of literally everything we do around here is uh, Form your team. Okay, so now your pest control team must have a licensed professional. In every state of the union, in order to apply pesticides, you have to be licensed in some way or another. Okay, um, those licenses are filed with the state. There are trainings and things that go along with those licenses. And pest control is one of those things where you just have to I mean, there, there are almost no places where we don't contract this out. There are, I guess I work with a few people who don't contract out pest control, but that's because they don't have anybody anywhere near them. And they tell me if they could contract out pest control, they would do it in a heartbeat. So go find yourself a good pest control company 
and ask them how many food manufacturers or agricultural operations that they work with um, and make sure you're not the first. I've also experienced that because they have to give you the documentation that proves to the state that you are doing pest control adequately and you're not poisoning the environment with pest, with your pest control practices, okay? You need maps, you need, there's like all sorts of things in, in good manufacturing practices around pest control that you would absolutely have to do. Like you, that are, that everybody's gotta do them. Um, and we gotta do them in a way that's safe um, and that requires training and that requires licensed professionals, okay? So that's the first person who's on your pest control team. The next person who's on your pest control team is the person who checks the traps every day. Okay, so if you, when you do pre-op sanitation, if you like get one of our pre-op sanitation checklists on there every day is the first thing you do is you look at the traps. Please, for the love of God, do not look at your traps after you have cleaned everything. Because if you have a, if you have a mouse in your trap on the production floor and you have to take care of it, you've got to re-clean the production floor. Look at your traps first, people, <laughs> okay? Make, this is one of those things where, where that, that like in and of itself, you take nothing else away from that, away from this podcast, is make your life easier by sequencing your steps in a way that makes sense. So finally, your probably third person on your pest control team is going to be your QA person because QA is, you know, super important when it comes to pest control. They're the people that have to, um, they're the people that have to make sure that the, the, the plan is being executed the way they said they were going to be executing it. Okay, so then um, we ask the question, number two, the second step in the six-step process is what problem are you solving? Um, the problem that you're solving can be dictated to you by your state, honestly. Um, and I say this because there's, you know, I have a really funny story. We were, um, I don't know, it was like five or six years ago, and I was at the main uh, state ag, ag agricultural trade show, which happened up in Augusta. Um, they have it usually in Augusta in, um, in January, obviously not this year. Uh, and they had just rolled out the new um, pesticide regs in the state. And the regs were written in such a way that anytime you were getting rid of an organism in the name of controlling pests, you had to do it as a licensed professional. And because I'm me, um, I raised my hand in the back of the room and I was like, so that means that if you're using 180 degree water to get rid of bacteria, you need a pest applicator's license. And they looked at the law and they looked at the way it was written and they're like, yep. And I'm like, okay. And so then if you take a 22 and you are shooting coyotes, um, you also need a pest applicator's license because they can bring, I mean, coyotes bring disease. They can, I mean, they kill your chickens, but you know, they, they pass worms along to your, your uh, livestock and, and they can pass rabies along to your cattle, right? Uh, and they're like, yeah, the way the law is written. So you have to be super clear on the way the law is written in your state. Please talk to Cooperative Extension because they will be very clear on this. I am pretty sure they got the law cleared up there in Maine. Um, and so we, it doesn't, you know, you don't need a pest applicator's license to like clean things in boiling water, which is good. All right. So, but you really do have to know what problems you are solving um, because it's not just getting rid of the pests, it's getting rid of the pests in a way that doesn't contaminate the environment or harm human health. Um, and then, of course, the problem you are solving is not having pests introduced into your, into your processing, into your, um, 
uh, into your hog operation, into, you know, like whatever it is that you're doing, we, we work to keep flies and rodents and bugs and that sort of thing out of the production because they carry disease. Everybody knows that flies and, and other bugs and things carry disease that, that ought not to be that ought not to be news. Um, there is a there's a study out there, you know, I every I think probably once a year people ask me about doing like bug based nutrition. And not it. There are many things I will do in food safety and um, bug based foods food safety. I just can't. I am not going to a cricket operation. Sorry, guys. And, um, and, and, but I was having a conversation with somebody about this and the, the issue is salmonella, of course. And in case you don't know, salmonella can live on the carpus, which is, or the carapace, or however you pronounce that, on a bug for more than 60 days. So, okay, it's a very conducive, bugs are very conducive to carrying around salmonella. Um, and then of course, mice and rodents and birds and stuff like that, they all have their own, their own set of issues. Okay, so the problem that you are solving is excluding pests from the food. <laughs> That's what we've got to do. Then the question is, is for whom are you solving the problem? Well, you're solving it for the customers because, you know, you can go onto YouTube and you can find all sorts of stories of finding bugs in your food. You are also solving it for your regulatory body and you're solving it for your employees because your employees do not want to work around flies. Do not want to work around flies. So that's who you're solving it for. Make sure that pest control team understands that's who you're solving it for. <laughs> and then the third, the third question in our six part, uh, in our, in our six part process for solving any problem is how are we going to go about solving this problem? Now notice we haven't actually gone about executing it. That's step number five. How are we going to solve it? Okay. The way everybody does this now is by doing what's called an integrated pest management approach. And IPM is a sustainable science-based decision-making process that combines analysis of a whole bunch of things that can go wrong, i.e. hazards. So IPM considers the biological hazards, the cultural hazards, then the physical and chemical tools used to identify and manage pests and reduce risk. They use tools and strategies and ways that minimize overall economic health and environmental risks. So, now I'm a veterinarian, as most of y'all know, and that to me sounds like they use a one health approach. If you think about your pest management in a way um, where you create a triangle where we have people, animals, and environment as, you know, three points on a triangle. Your pest management has to involve all three of those to be successful. You have to be mitigating hazards uh, to the people, to animals, and to the environment is part of your integrated pest management. So there are some key practices that you have to do, and we generally um, divide those practices by um, what happens on the farm or the ranch, okay, and then what happens in the processing, okay. Now, farming and ranching are in fact two different things, and the way we do IPM on a farm for field crops, I'm assuming nobody who row crops listens to this, but heck, for row cropping it's the same thing, um, versus ranching. and and. Pest control and ranching, people always ask me this question, you know, how do I keep rodents out of my feed? That's part of your integrated pest management protocol. And we're going to talk about 
how we how we do that. On ranches, your pest control looks much, 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 much more like pest control in a facility than pest control in a field cropping operation. So let's talk about field cropping operations first, and then we'll talk about um, ranching and animal agriculture and processing. Okay, so the first thing that you have to do for an agricultural integrated pest management program is understand your soil. A couple of years ago, well, probably more than a couple of years ago, I was at um, I was at the Stone Barn Center and we were doing the Young Farmers Conference and Wendell Berry was there and it was amazing. You know, I got to sit and have dinner with Wendell Berry and it was amazing as you can imagine. And uh, it was the year of the soils, okay? And understanding what your soil architecture, and I mean, I refer to it as infrastructure and architecture is like, is incredibly important because when you understand what compromises your soil, what the what the nutrients are, what the minerals are, what's keeping it, uh, what's keeping it healthy, it healthy, um, where the organic matter comes from, how you're rotating crops, and that sort of thing, that is incredibly important when it comes to integrated pest management. Like we rotate animals onto fields, in part because of a pest management program, right? Knowing when you plant, so you have to. You, you, when and where you plant and what you are planting, are you planting varieties that are disease uh, resistant? Are you planting varieties that are resistant to insects and pests? Are you planting in combinations where the, the, the plants have a synergistic effect on their own immune systems. And what I mean by that is, is there are things that you can plant together. Like the thing everybody thinks about is you plant tomatoes and marigolds together. That is a, that is integrated pest management because the cutter worms and the, and the other pests that attack the tomatoes really don't like the marigolds. So, okay, marigolds are, I believe, a variety of chrysanthemum. And chrysanthemum is where we get pyrethrins from. Okay, so we extract pyrethrins from, I mean, now we do it, we synthesize them, but originally we extracted pyrethrins from chrysanthemums. And so that's why we plant marigolds with tomatoes. <laughs> okay, so you got to know what you're planting and you've got to utilize the natural um, immunity of the plants to benefit the system as a whole. Okay, you need to know your forecast, weather data, um, to predict when and where pest outbreaks will occur as a global climate weirding, as Tom Friedman says, as global climate weirding takes a hold, um, our weather patterns are definitely changing around uh, in, like with everybody I talk to and how weather patterns are increasing pests is something we really have to think about. I mean, nobody had the problem with ticks. 40 years ago that we had we have now um, and that can be you know attributable to global climate weirding okay trapping how are you doing trapping um, and then how are you using your traps to learn it isn't enough to just trap your insects you've got to actually like look in the box and see what's moving where and how that relates to where your crops are and where the wind is and where the water is Okay, you miss more by not looking than by not knowing. And the reason to trap is not just to get rid of pests, but it's to learn where they are. You need to understand thresholds, okay? 
before treating, most growers in, uh, in an IPM system wait until a pest population reaches a scientifically determined level that will cause economic damage. And until that threshold is reached, um, the, the cost of yield and quality will be less than the cost of control because, of course, pest control comes with a price. Um, but there is a, there's a break-even point that you have to learn and understand. Cooperative extension can be very, very helpful in this regard. Um, next one, cultural controls. The pest environment is disrupted by, um, by implementing um, by implementing rotating crops, you know, the same, you know, the same pests that eat a field full of broccoli is not the same pests that are going to eat a field full of okra, for example. Um, then utilizing um, sterilization of your tools in your picking and packing tools, harvesting uh, before the pests can really have a lunch. <laughs> okay, we call those all cultural controls. Then we have biological controls. That's the introduction of natural enemies. Um, sometimes that's sometimes that's bacteria. Sometimes that's ladybugs. Uh, you know that sort of stuff. And then finally, guys, um, we have chemical controls. So you'll notice that is the last one on the list is the chemical controls, right? Um, your chemical controls go on when weather conditions permit. You must understand your withdrawal times and where your wind is and what the water is doing because, if, you know, if you spray chemicals and then it rains the next day, it is entirely likely all of those, all of that beneficial chemical, all the benefits are just going to get washed away in the rain, right? And then the final step of integrated pest management with everybody is record keeping. Usually I talk about this first. Um, you got to design your records in a way that makes sense, um, but you've also got to design your records in a way that you use and you go back and you read them um, and you use them for further decision making. Um, okay, so that's what it looks like for agricultural uh, pest control. Then if we look at ranching and, uh, and food production pest control, inspection and monitoring. That's your biggest thing. I mean, I swear to God, people, you miss more by not looking than by not knowing. You've got to look at your structures and landscape to diagnose uh, where pest problems are and what their sources are. You monitor your sticky traps for insects and um, you've also, you know, you're trapping insects. What direction are they traveling in? Uh, how many are there? What and what information can you glean from your sticky traps? Hmm? You've got to design your facilities, build in sanitation, pest proofing, and exclusion. So that means that your food and water and what we call harborage sources are identified and eliminated. You've got screens, you know, you don't have lights um, right over your windows. So that would attract a lot of pests and like a lot of flies and stuff in the summertime. You've got to communicate. Like you really got to talk to people about why closing the doors is important. <laughs> okay. Educating like your production workers, building operations um, to exclude pest friendly conditions and unauthorized use. Okay. How many places have we been where they're like, oh, we've got a bee's nest. Let's just go get a can of Raid. That is not how that works, folks. Um, You've got to put that in. I mean, yes, RAID may be the, the thing to use, but you've got to work that into your IPM program so that you're not contaminating the raspberries that are downwind from that RAID. Because I promise you, RAID is not a food safe ingredient. 
you've got to use low-risk pesticides. Non-chemical methods, um, including prevention, are your first line of defense. And then if pesticide use is necessary, products are available, baits, gels, dust, with low toxic active ingredients um, and, and other methods of application that limit the potential for exposure. Because of course, what did we learn with DDT? You know, you can't lay out, you can't lay out chemicals and not expect it to aggregate in the uh, environment and bioaccumulate in our animals. So that's incredibly important. So that's step number four. That's how you do pest control, okay? Um, and of course, oh, and then the one I left out is, of course, record keeping. You, I mean, really, and um, this is where your licensed professional and the books that they will give you um, really come into play. So that's agriculture, that's that we started with agricultural management, and then we did food production facility management, which is also kind of the same as pest control management on a ranching facility. And then the next thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go and you're going to have to actually do it. So call the pest control company, have them out, make them bring you the binders and make sure you understand them and that they meet some of our common audit criteria because we have audit criteria for pest control, believe it or not. Okay. And that audit criteria is so that you can you can 90 day validate um, your your pest control, okay? Um, and we usually set that to an operating parameter of no visible pest infestation in defined and mapped areas of the plant. So, okay, so that's great. And you're going to do monitoring for 90 day period documenting observations during your pre-op sanitation. So. In order to be able to do that and to pass your 90-day validation with pest control, you have to have supporting documentation um, for your actions that are used to support your decision. That is what comes in those binders that your pest management company gives you, okay? Your supporting documentation relates to your product and your process. That means they don't have a general map, they have a map of your facility. Ask me how many times I have seen that. They identify the critical operating parameters based on their scientific and technical data that they come with, that all has to be in there. Um, and everything is, so they support stuff, they align, they, so they have scientific documentation. You create critical limits, and those critical limits are actually referenced in their supporting documentation. Everything flows together, so you're not using products that contraindicate or that are contraindicated for each other okay and that you and then you actually have to go out and do your do your pest control and do your 90-day validation and then once that 90-day validation is done guys you actually have to do an after action report that's step six of our six-step process and our after action reporting always asks what went right uh, you know what went really right in your in your pest control planning what went wrong? What are you not doing it? Are you not checking all the traps? Do you not have an accurate map? That happens all the time. Are you building up harborage sites? Did you learn because you did a 90-day validation across two seasons, which totally happens, that your harborage sites change? Because that can totally happen. What did you learn? And then what are you going to do differently? to make sure that you have the most implementable and accurate pest control plan that that, that makes sense for you. 
Alrighty, so that's what we got for today. That is how you do integrated pest management. I love you all. Share the podcast. Leave us a review. Go download your 12 Steps of HACCP ads uh, at foodsafetyuniversity.com. I am totally excited that you're here, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button and check us out at foodsafetyuniversity.com. We have free food safety guides waiting for you. See you next time.